I just, I can't imagine my life without the gospel. Um, I think part of, one of the things that I learned on my mission was just, I mean, I got to see so many people who don't have the gospel in their life. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to live like that after seeing their lives, how how messed up it is. Um, and I don't know, just on top of that, I, I suffer with like depression and anxiety. And even though, I mean, the gospel doesn't cure that because it's a medical problem, I just, I can't imagine how much harder that trial would be if I didn't know that God was real and that He He's there for me. And so just going to church every week helps me to to remember that He really does care about me. And, and often He answers my prayers through what somebody says on Sunday or, or just, yeah, I don't know, He, he just is always there to answer my prayers. Sometimes when you have been podcasting as long as I have, you forget what it was like when you were first starting out. You forget what it was like to be like, oh, yeah, we published our first episode and we're so excited and everything like that. I love that about this particular episode of The Culture Hall, being able to visit with, and I hope I'm saying it right, she'll correct me, you'll hear me struggle through the pronunciation again, Elena Abuerto, uh, about her new podcast uh, and what it's going to be about, what she hopes to gain from it as she steps down the stones of the podcasting experience. Excited to be able to tell you guys about her great podcast, uh, be able to share a little bit about her with all of you and her family's experience, and can't wait for you to listen to this episode of The Cultural Hall. Also, check out her podcast, Why Don't You? Why Don't You? It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. Uh, excited to be able to uh, have this conversation with Elena Abuerto uh, and talking about uh, not only her, her life, her family, all of those things, uh, but also talking about her brand new podcast. And I'm excited to get into that. Elena, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, as I listen to the premiere episode of your podcast, uh, you make a distinguishing um, factor about how to pronounce your name. And so now I'm all sorts of anxious that I might be saying it incorrectly. Am I saying it right? No, yeah, it's right. Elena. Elena. Now, uh, uh, being of the Abuerto family, that immediately makes me think of uh, Sister Abuerto, who serves uh, in the church. That's family, correct? Yeah, she's my mom. Now, how, uh, and I don't want this interview to be about her, certainly, because we're here to talk to you, but I have to know, what's that like to have mom serving in the church in such a high-profile position? It's really cool. I love being able to see how the Lord uses her, um, because when she's at home, she's just my mom, and she's still amazing, but when she is on an assignment, when I get to see her speak somewhere— you just see the mantle of her calling there, you know, it's like the Spirit is the one who's speaking through her, and it's not just her up there. I, I would be curious, what was it like for your family when she got the call? Um, it was crazy because it was just a few days after I had gotten home from my mission that she was called, and she wasn't allowed to tell me about it. <laughs> she could tell my dad, but she couldn't tell me, and so we went to general conference together, and, yeah, I mean, I found out at the same time that the world did that she got called. So it was really shocking for me, but I wasn't too surprised. I mean, like she had served on the primary general board before that, and she knew Sister Bingham, who was called as the president. And 
So yeah, no, it was it was crazy, but I I'm so proud of her. She's done so awesome, and I've been super happy to help her as she prepares for her talks and general conference and stuff. So yeah, it's been a blessing for the whole family. It, it it's got to be pretty cool, and I have to imagine when you know that Dad's in on the secret and uh, and you're not allowed to know. Did she drop mm-hmm. those sweet motherly hints where it's like, and you might want to be paying attention, and uh, you know, make sure you don't miss this particular session without actually mm-hmm. telling you what was going on. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if people, I guess, don't know, I mean, we should state it, uh, being the second counselor in the general presidency of the Relief Society, uh, she's noted for um, being really, I, I guess, authentic and real. And that's uh, one of the things, those seem sort of buzzwords, um, but that's one of the things that I appreciate uh, with what you are doing with your podcast. Tell me, a re- tell me the reason why you decided to start doing this. Um, part of it is because I just have deep conversations with my mom a lot of the times. And I don't know, she makes me feel like I have really good ideas and a good perspective of the gospel. And, um, and then on top of that, it's really just an excuse for me to hang out with people and have them on my show, honestly. Like, not just because of the pandemic. I mean, yeah, it's hard to hang out with people mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, but... It's also because just being an adult, I don't feel like it's that easy to, you know, make plans with people and actually follow through with those plans. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I've just like, uh, like, I just want to have the chance to have deep conversations with people. So it's called the Consecrating Your Life podcast. And we'll get back into that a little bit. But tell me a little bit more about you. Where where were you raised? Uh, are you and your as your family converts to the church? Let's let's get some sort of background mm-hmm. information. So I I'm from Utah, um, Orem, Utah, and I was born into the church. But both of my parents are converts. They were both converted really in their twenties. I mean, my dad was was baptized when he was nine, but he was never active, and so he he became active when he was like twenty seven. My mom was my age. She was 26, and she got baptized in the church. And so, yeah, they met at church in San Francisco, and then they raised their family in Utah. So, And, and given kind of an idea of, of what your family like, are you an only child? I have two brothers. I'm in the middle. And so you've had the opportunity also to serve a mission. Tell me a little bit what that was like. So I served a mission in Modesto, California, and... It was it was life changing really. I I used to be a really really shy and socially anxious person person, mm-hmm. and so serving my mission really helped me to realize that I'm actually really good at making friends with people and that I have the capacity to love other people. And yeah, I don't know. It's something I think about all the time. Is my mission like my two best friends were companions of mine. And I still keep in contact with some of the people that I served with. And it's just, it was just the best. I loved it so much. And I will always be grateful that I, that Heavenly Father told me to go on a mission. You know, society or certainly the study of society would tell me that people of your age are leaving the church, not specifically the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but church in general. Why do you think it is, um... That, that people are finding themselves either not relying on faith or just finding themselves out of their family traditions? I think 
I mean, I think that the pandemic is a factor right now just because home church was actually really cool. I I kind of miss having home church mm-hmm. um, because it was just a way to to really like study the gospel in your way, I guess, instead of going to church and maybe being bored mm-hmm. by what happens at church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that might be a factor right now. But I I really believe that young adults should be empowered to be leaders, that in YSA wards, it shouldn't just be like the leaders lecturing us or anything like that. I think the young adults should be the ones that are, um, what's it called, like planning the activities mm-hmm. and even like making suggestions of what sacrament meeting talks should be about or things like that. I think... I think we we have the power to to make sacrament meeting great and stuff like that. So yeah, I, and I appreciate that, and I feel like the church is starting to to gain a greater focus on that with changes most recently in you know the mid singles and also young single adults wards where mm-hmm. uh, different callings and positions are opened up to other people. I guess that same question I just asked you turned on its head. What is it that makes you stay? Oh well. I just, I can't imagine my life without the gospel. Um, I think part of, one of the things that I learned on my mission was just, I mean, I got to see so many people who don't have the gospel in their life, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to live like that after seeing their lives, how how messed up it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, just on top of that, I I suffer with like depression and anxiety, and even though, I mean, the gospel doesn't cure that because it's a medical problem, I just, I can't imagine how much harder that trial would be if I didn't know that God was real and that He He's there for me. And so just going to church every week helps me to to remember that He really does care about me, and, and often He answers my prayers through what somebody says on Sunday or, or just... Yeah, I don't know. He just is always there to answer my prayers. So, so I want to uh, I want to take that question a little further. Um, mm-hmm. you, you you talk about uh, being able to know that God loves you and that He's there for you. Is there a particular mm-hmm. experience? You know, sometimes we call these these uh, conversion moments, uh, these opportunities where the veil is thin or even lifted, and we're able to. Is there is there a particular moment for you that where everything became undoubtable? Oh. Um, let's see. I feel like there's been a lot of instances. Let me think of one that's not too sacred. Um, I think just actually like, um, something that's helped me is by like being vulnerable with other people. That has helped me to know that God really cares about me because as I've done that, other people have been able to help me and, um, answer my prayers so, I don't know, just for example, like, when I was going to leave on my mission, I gave a talk in sacrament meeting, and I, I talked about my depression, and so many people came up to me afterwards and told me that I was so amazing. Like, some people even told me that I sounded better than most returned missionaries, even though I hadn't even left on my mission yet. Hmm. And so, they just made me feel like I was so amazing and so valuable, which was an answer to my prayers because I, with my depression, I didn't feel like I was useless at all. Or sorry, useful. I didn't. I didn't feel like I was a useful person. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just by sharing those vulnerabilities, God has shown me that I actually am stronger than I think I am. You know, I, I like that particular trait, uh, both about you and the time that we've been able to, to share with each other. And like I mentioned, sort of at the top of this, uh, being able to hear your mom speak in that, you know, the, very real, very um, serious, sometimes very sad things, um, both that you have shared here and that she has had the opportunity to share. Is it just the family dynamic to to be that vulnerable and share? Or how are you guys able to, to do that? Because not everybody does it. I don't know. It it took me a really long time. It took me years to open up about my depression and stuff. Um, And actually, I think the reason that my mom has been willing to do that was actually kind of by accident as well. I think during one of her first um, events, I think it was the BYU Women's Conference shortly after she got called, um, Sister Bingham asked her to mention the fact that she's been divorced. And my mom really did not want to talk about that because it's painful. And my family, we kind of pretend like we aren't a blended family. Like, we just, we don't talk about that Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And, but Sister Bingham just asked her to reconsider because she knew that so many people were going to relate to that. And so, yes, my mom... Um, listened to her and she mentioned the fact that she was divorced and I think ever since then she's just been inspired to open up about you know all these other tragedies in her life and and yeah like you said I think that's made her so relatable because it just makes her down to earth and she's not up there as this picture-perfect leader like she's very much a real human the, the fact of the matter is, is, is that everyone, you know, maybe they haven't been through a divorce, but they've been through some tough things. And to know that, you know, that the person that we're hearing speak to us has mm-hmm. been through tough things. I, I think it makes it in sort of an instant relatable kind of way. I would be curious uh, as she and as you and as your dad, who I enjoyed that your first episode of the Consecrating Your Life podcast, which I do want to get more into, uh, that you sit down with your dad, um, being able to kind of uh, flesh out his story as well. With all of this, you talk about consecration, the law of consecration, and you've even titled it Consecrating Your Life. Why? That seems like such a heavy, <laughs> a heavy way to go into it. Like you could have just been like, "Hey, cool stories from people," or like your life focus. Why? Why such a, a deep, deep undertaking? So I don't know. I guess my mom and I have talked about the law of consecration a little bit. How? I mean, this is one of the covenants that we make in the temple, and I just feel like it's not really that understood. I mean. I'm pretty sure, first of all, that, like, I didn't know that that was one of the covenants that we made in the temple until I was endowed. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important, like, for youth and and things like that to to know that that's a really relevant part of our religion, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, to me, consecrating your life means to become holy and to dedicate your time, talents, and resources to the Lord. And that is such a broad topic. I feel like that can include pretty much anything. So, like, anything that my guests come and talk to me about can fall under that umbrella of Mm -hmm. becoming holy. So, 
that's why I decided to title it that. How, how have you enjoyed being a podcaster so far? It's not easy, as you probably yeah. have learned. Yeah, there is definitely a, a big learning curve for me, um, but I've enjoyed it so far. I, I love being able to be more intentional as I talk to people and, and really listen to them and be interested in what they have to say. I think that's really true for me because, I, I mean, I don't even really like to talk. Mm-hmm. I, I just like to listen to people. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just really cool to see what what different people have to say consecration means to them, because that's the question I always ask at the end of the episode is, like, what does it mean for you to be consecrated to Jesus Christ? And, yeah, there's just so many different ways to look at it. Like, for example, my dad mentioned in his episode that it involves taking care of your body to be healthy so that you're always like available for the Lord when he needs you. I, I had never thought of it that way, and that was really insightful for me. So I'm going to steal your question and ask that question of you. What does it mean for you to consecrate your life to Jesus Christ? I think I, I really have learned that, that that verse in the Bible that says something like, you need to lose yourself in order to find yourself. Um to me, that means you need to serve other people, forget about yourself, turn outward and reach out instead of turning inward, only thinking about yourself. I, I feel like that has helped me to be happy and to find purpose in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I think to consecrate your life means to be Christ-like in that you're always thinking of other people. So... Uh, I I also enjoyed your honesty within uh, the first episode of your podcast where you're like, listen, I just want to talk to people. Is that what people can uh, anticipate moving forward? And are you doing it weekly? What's what's the plans? What's the future for the Consecrating Your Life podcast? Yeah, I I am going to be interviewing guests from here on out. And I I honestly am not sure if I want to pressure myself to do it weekly. I I don't know if you know Nick Galetti, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the advice that he gave me is that I don't necessarily have to pressure myself to do that because it should be more about like releasing it when when I when I want to. I guess like that, that way it, I'm podcasting because I want to and not because I feel like I have to. And mm-hmm. I actually thought it was really good advice. Sure. So I can't promise that, but, but yeah, for right now, I'm going to try to do it weekly. But when, once I start going back to grad school, I don't know if I'll have time to do it weekly. So yeah, just stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> now tell me about grad school. What are you going to grad school for? So I'm going to grad school for secondary education. I got my undergraduate degree in music with piano as my instrument, so I'm trying to become a music teacher. Now, I have to ask you, will you take a microphone and recording device as you go to work, maybe with your mom as she's visiting around some of the other ladies? Will you have an opportunity to visit with some of the other Relief Society folk, or are you sort of foreboding from that? Yeah, eventually I will have connections. Like, I, the church... Um, how do I say this? You, they need to have permission from the church if they are still serving in a, a heavy calling like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I will be having—I mean, I don't know if I should spoil. I, I will be having someone who was released in a, in a calling like that soon. I'm going to be talking to her this month, 
and she'll be my first public figure on the podcast. But yeah, we'll see how that goes, I guess. That's pretty exciting. Something to look mm-hmm. forward to. And people yes. should uh, should seek it out and then also uh, go and subscribe wherever they're getting away. This episode of The Cultural Hall, you can also do that and be able to get the Consecrating Your Life podcast. Uh, there are three questions, Elena, that we ask everyone who steps into The Cultural Hall, and I will ask those of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? So, well, I just barely um, moved from Salt Lake back home to Oral. Um, so I don't have a calling right now, but but can I tell you about my calling in Salt Lake? Yes. I it was really interesting. Yes. So, so my bishop kind of created this committee called the Communications Committee, and the whole point of that committee was just to, like, allow the young adults to be leaders, kind of like what I was saying earlier about empowering them to do all the work instead of being, you know, babysat mm-hmm. by the leaders or yeah. something. Um, and so, yeah, my job was to, um, like, just give ideas as to how the young adults could could be, could be serve in the ward. So I thought that was a really neat idea for a committee. Yeah, in- innovative and hopefully where uh, a lot of the church will sort of turn is to let everyone, every age, be sort of leaders in their own mm-hmm. right. That's cool. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Oh, um, good question. I, well, I would not pick a musical calling because I always get calls as a pianist (laughs) when people find out I'm a professional musician. But I, right now, um, I was just talking to my mom yesterday about service. Like, I, I think that every YSA ward, maybe even every ward in general, needs to have a community service committee where, yeah, I don't know, we just, serve the community at least once a month or something, because I think not only is that a good thing to do, but I think by serving with your hands, that's like a really good way of making friends with the people that are around you. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The final question that we ask, and we ask you to interpret it however you will, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? I, I don't know. I just love that... It's centered around Jesus Christ and his atonement because that really just brings purpose to all of the trials that I'm going through. Knowing that uh, Jesus Christ can relate to me in such a perfect way, um, it just, it really helps me to keep going. And he, he gives me the strength to, to carry on and, and to want to help other people come closer to him. So I just, yeah, I just, I just love Jesus Christ and I'm so grateful to call him my, my friend and my savior. So the name of the podcast again is consecrating your life. Find it wherever you find podcasts and subscribe. Uh, she doesn't promise weekly, but she does promise it's good whenever it comes out and it's worth listening and worth checking out. Uh, Elena, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, brother Brent, Ken Williams and big Mike will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat On the back row, we really gotta go On the Culture Hall Show